0: You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome to Locked On Suns, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Kevin Olson, your host of Locked On Suns. Nice to have you back for another week of Phoenix Suns basketball here on Locked On Suns. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. That is at Suns. That is the best way to keep up with the podcast because in the bio there, you've got the link as well to subscribe to us on iTunes. Make sure to go on there and subscribe. Leave us a review if you want. Haven't checked those in a while, but uh, we were getting some nice feedback earlier, so always nice to have that. Uh, this is a late episode. We have not usually had an episode this late when there wasn't a game. Usually we'll, uh, every now and then we will do an episode when a game is over, uh, and then have that go up late and we'll notify you guys of that. But, uh, Had some struggles today figuring out the right time to do the podcast because it always changes pretty much every day. And today uh, just wound up having just myself here uh, after trying to figure out a right time to get Eddie on. But uh, Eddie had a busy day today, so he will be back tomorrow. That is the plan. So uh, today we're going to talk about, though, a rather eventful weekend of Suns basketball, which is not something I expected to say at all uh, on Friday's episode we barely talked about the games in fact we didn't really we discussed the bulls game briefly and then i don't even think we talked about the bucks game at all and there really wasn't too much to talk about or preview but as it turns out after those two games we've got a lot to talk about and the big storyline from these games is that the youth movement is in full effect and it it's difficult to say whether it's more of a youth movement or a tank movement because Guys like Allen Williams and Derrick Jones Jr. just being thrust into the rotation. Now when I say that, Allen Williams played 15 minutes against the Bulls. Derrick Jones Jr. played 14. But the second unit was Allen Williams, Derrick Jones Jr., Jared Dudley, Leandro Barbosa, and Tyler Uless. Uh In the Chicago game, none of those guys played over 20 minutes. And then in the Bucks game, Allen Williams actually played 34 minutes. Alex Lynn only played 14. He had a rough go in that game. Jared Dudley played 25, but then again, Derek Jones Jr. only played 10, Tyler Euless played 14, so not me complaining by any stretch, don't get that uh, kind of assumption started here, I'm not complaining about how they haven't played enough minutes or anything like that, I'm just saying that while they haven't integrated into the rotation, they're not necessarily playing big minutes, and as a starting point, which is what this appears to be for guys like Williams, Jones, and Eulis to be legitimate rotation pieces for the rest of the season, gotta bring them along slowly. Uh, but that was a huge surprise. We didn't really get any inklings of this. Something like uh, Alex Lenz starting over Tyson Chandler made sense and was something that uh, was coming for a while, I think. And Chandler's great play over the course of the season has really held that off for quite some time. Uh, but the, the most surprising thing is that not that we are seeing Derek Jones Jr. and Alan Williams play, it's that we're seeing it with no Tyson Chandler or Brandon Knight. Both have flat out not played. And I think this is where, in my opinion, we're starting to see the benefits of the relationship between Earl Watson and Tyson Chandler. We've heard about how close they are and how they're like brothers and things like that. We've heard from both of them at how great their relationship is. And that relationship being so great, I think, allows for something like this, where Chandler can simply just sit out a couple of games or whatever this is, sitting out a week or two, sitting out the rest of the season. We don't really know. The first home game is on Thursday, so we should have... Uh, the first home game since the switch is on uh, Thursday, so we're going to have an idea by then. Watson will be talking to a lot of local media members then, and we'll have more of an idea of what it is. Watson said the situation is going to be fluid, uh, but no one really knows what that means, so who knows if that means that it? what he's trying to say by that is saying it could change every game, but we didn't get an answer as to whether Knight or Chandler are going to play for the rest of the season. Um, Knight, it's, he's just played horribly, and There's really no other way to describe it. He has been very bad at the game of basketball this season for the Phoenix Suns, and something like this isn't extremely surprising to me. Uh, Moving on, anyway, uh, the Bulls game. Let's go through both games now. So the Bulls game, 128-121 loss. Of course, both of these games, the main takeaway was that the Suns need to make some free throws in order to get some wins. Not that Suns fans are complaining. The consensus on Twitter was that these were the perfect types of losses for the Suns, or perfect types of results, I should say. For the end of the season, the youth plays major minutes. We see growth uh, across the board from a lot of different players, such as Marquise Chris in the Bulls game, who probably played his best game as an NBA player in that game, uh, but they lost uh, being competitive down to the wire. Devin Booker got fouled on a three-point play. Do not try and explain to me how the Bulls are 30-29 and 29 because I don't think I'll be able to listen to you try and do it because they are a bad basketball team, and I think it has to do with the Suns doing well. Uh, and just uh, matching up well with what the Bulls don't do well. I think it's one of those types of deals, but at the same time, they are not a good basketball team at all. In that game, Devin Booker had 27 points. Eric Bledsoe with a very quiet 17 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. He was 5 of 14 from the field. Turnover is once again a problem. They had 19 in this game, but they did have 27 assists, and that's the thing in this, these two games that really stood out to me as well is the ball movement, there seems to be a lot more purpose on offense and there seems to be a real system being implemented now. I think this type of move kind of reignites the team when you see guys like Eulis and Big Sauce and Jones, who uh, I'm sure guys on the team have been wanting them to play besides those own players. And a move like this, I think, kind of reinvigorates the team a little bit, gets them to buy in once again to what you've been trying to sell for a while, which is this ball movement and everything like that. 27 assists in that game that had a lot to do with the Bulls as well. Uh, but in that Bucks game, they had 26 assists as well. And those are numbers that we just haven't really seen from this team in consecutive games in quite a long time. I don't think we've even seen it this season. Uh, but, of course, Devin Booker gets fouled. It's a three-point play. Uh, not a three-point play, sorry. He takes three free throws and has a chance to win the game, uh, makes the first two, misses the third, and we go to overtime. Booker was very upset with the result, and the Bulls pulled away kind of predictably in overtime. Not really many takeaways from that game. Allen Williams had a good game in 15 minutes. He had 16 points more on him in the Milwaukee game. I think Derek Jones Jr. in both of these games has shown that he has the potential to be an NBA player. I'm not going to go as far to say as a rotation player, But off of the ball, he seems to understand defensively what he is supposed to be doing. And, of course, he has the athleticism to do it. I was surprised. His lateral quickness isn't as incredible as I thought it was going to be just because of the leaper he is. You expect him to be, like, really fast and really agile. Not necessarily the case with him and the vibe that I am getting uh, from him, at least, defensively. But he made a lot of good reads. Um, If you go and look at the... Bright Side of the Sun recap for the Bulls game, I want to say. A common creeper put up, uh, that's the username of the guy. Uh, You can also follow him on Twitter, I believe. I believe he's on Twitter. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter. What am I saying? Anyway, uh, he posted a couple of screenshots, or videos, I should say, little GIFs of Jones making some quick little rotations here and there and making good plays. He also did it in the Bucks game. Just knows what he's supposed to do. On ball defense, there's a lot of things that he needs to correct, but again... These are his first real NBA minutes, and that's going to come with time. But you can see what his role is going to be. But in terms of a rotation player, he's got to have some sort of jump shot. And I just don't think he has one. The inklings we've gotten from the D-League is that he struggles as a shooter. And in, and in this role, he hasn't even been shooting jumpers at all, which is exactly what you want. You want him to be cutting to the rim, which is clearly what he's doing and probably what he's being told to do. Uh, look for the extra pass when he's making that cut and receiving the ball or just finishing around the rim. I think he's played pretty well, given the circumstances and being a D-League call-up and getting thrown into rotation minutes right away when he's never really had them before in his career. Tyler Ulis just really good at basketball. I think he is still, he is the guy to me that needs minutes the most out of these three because he needs to still get acclimated to NBA basketball because the size, the length, and everything. There are some games when his rotation's, um, defensively aren't really there, and there are games when his reads offensively aren't really there, and I think that just comes down to uh, everything we've seen from him in college, in the preseason, in summer league, and then in his minutes. This in these games so far is that he's a very smart player, and I think he's just getting used to how NBA rotations work defensively, the length that he's coming up against. We saw him get comfortable with his jump shot in both of these games, and I think that just comes with the confidence of the coach selecting him to play ahead of Brandon Knight in this situation. He had six points and four assists in 13 minutes in the Bulls game. Uh, Let's move on to the Bucks game, though. That was a 196 loss. This was a much closer loss. Marquise Chris sort of took over at the end of the game and had, I believe, six straight points and then was fouled and had a chance for the team to take the lead. They were down one. He missed both free throws, unfortunately, uh, and the Suns wound up losing that one. This was the big Sauce game though. Sauce had 17 points and 15 rebounds. I wrote about this on ArizonaSports.com. He had 3 assists and 3 steals as well. He was everywhere. In this game we saw exactly what can hurt Sauce in the league and what can really help him. And He's always been a great rebounder and he has always been great with his touch around the rim. Those two things have had him on the NBA radar since he came out of college. That's why he was in the D-League, or not the D-League, sorry, uh, on Summer League teams with, I believe, Houston and then Charlotte in his first year, and then was on Phoenix's in the second year, of course, because he was signed with the team the year, uh, the season before that uh, in his rookie year. But there are a ton of problems with him as a big man. He is six foot eight, has no range at all in his game from what we can tell. I don't even know if he has a jump shot, honestly, but I'm guessing he doesn't because I've never seen it. Uh, and... He has no quickness at all, just none. So there's no way he's playing power forward, and even at six foot eight, he's undersized. So at six foot eight playing center. He has no length, really no hops at all. So as a rim protector, they're really legitimate issues. And in this game, he had seventeen and fifteen was just everywhere. But then coming into the second quarter, Jason Kidd had a clear game plan of attacking him, and Greg Monroe had literally what I would call layups. Uh, He backed Williams down one or two times and just reached over him, and Williams had, like, this awkward sort of decision of how to even contest for the shots. I just it looked like he didn't understand what he was supposed to do, and then they started doubling Monroe, and Monroe was able to make the right pass and everything, and then it was just a points-in-the-paint fiesta. That's what I tweeted out when it was happening, and those are the clear limitations of having Williams as your center, and you can't really play him with another center, because He can't play the four because he has to be around the rim. But he is an insanely productive player with both points and rebounds. And he kept making mistakes in the second quarter. Not really mistakes, was just constantly overmatched defensively. And then he just, I looked up, and then he had already scored again on offense. And one thing I want to give him credit for on the defensive end is he's a very good shot blocker for his limitations. He can block a shot when it's there. He has good instincts. I think he blocked... A couple of shots in that game. Let me take a look at the box score really quick. He had one block in that game. He had the block on Thon Maker, I want to say, when Maker went right up into him and really didn't rise up over him and just shot into him more so. And that gave Williams a chance to swat at the ball, and he did. And then I believe there was a of Toledovich drive where he got a piece of it too. And those guys, if they make mistakes like that, he's going to take advantage. I thought he played very well in that game. Nice to see TJ Warren have a comeback game. He had 23 points and 5 rebounds, 11 of 14 from the field. That is going to be my big key for tomorrow's game is if TJ can take two or three games in a row here and really be that guy where he shoots 60% from the field and scores 20 points. Those are the kind of TJ outbursts we're used to seeing, and I would like to see more of it. Uh, But, yeah, looking at the numbers, again, 26 assists, but, again, 20 turnovers, and that's going to come with a young team. Those guys off the bench, Derek Jones Jr. had three. He just had a lot of turnovers where he just looked completely lost, just passed it right to a defender in some situations. Uh, Jared Dudley had two, Tyler Ulis had two, Williams had two on his own. The starting backcourt combined for eight. And this was just another really rough game for Alex Lennon. Same situation in a longer form. With him getting these starts, uh, Brandon Knight had that start in Houston. It went horribly wrong. He played terribly. And Len has not looked good in either of these games at all. And I'm not very impressed with how he has played. And it's a big stretch for him. It's a big 20-25 to game stretch for him. I'm starting to lean more in the camp of no one is really going to be interested in signing him. And the Suns are just going to be able to... Wait and wait and wait until they get the value that they want on him as sort of a backup center, or they're just going to let him walk if he's asking for too much money, because he has not played well in these last couple of games, and really the last month or so, I don't think he's played that well, uh, at least from the eye test standpoint, I really haven't gone and checked his stats or anything crazy like that, uh, but that'll wrap up this episode of Lockdown Suns, guys, let me know what you guys thought uh, tweet us at Sons what your impressions are from this huge youth movement. Do you think we will see Tyson Chandler and Brandon Knight play the rest of the season? Do you think uh, this is just a little test, or is this something we're going to see for the rest of the season? I know uh, myself, personally, I'm very excited to watch the games now. It's uh, much more fun to watch the young guys uh, learn as they go, and then I'm excited, of course, to see Drog Bender get implemented into this as well. Uh, Start to see him and Chris play together, possibly, with what's happening at center right now with Chandler not playing. Uh, But we'll have more on tomorrow's game and more on Suns in general tomorrow on tomorrow's episode. I'm going to say tomorrow one more time. Tomorrow on tomorrow's episode. Talk to you uh, tomorrow. See you.